Good morning, everybody in podcast land and or YouTube-ish land. I do get a couple viewers. You know, there's about 10 of you that that uh, watch my videos. So, you know, many thanks to you. And uh, we have somebody who pulls a lot more viewers than I do. That's that's for damn sure. And yes, not on my own yeah. content. <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. I don't know. I don't I don't I don't know about that one. We have EU expert, pundit, caster, analyst, does it all, a man of many hats. We have Trid coming in hot. How are you, good sir? I'm doing very well. I think you're giving me too many hats there. I don't like to uh, hype myself up like that one, but uh, uh, expert is the one I'm very adverse to. I just talk about <laughs> things that happen in Overwatch. I'm not an expert in any field. That, that kind of leads me to a question that I find myself talking to casters about quite often is the the kind of hard and fast role of color and uh play-by-play -play in overwatch and i feel like you have to kind of be a blend of both so in a way like while you might call yourself one there are times where you i feel and again you can totally disagree mm -hmm. with me and I, I obviously i'd look like a fool but you know there are times where i feel like at least casters in overwatch have to do a little bit of both so like would you kind of agree with that uh, I, yeah, I'd agree with that sentiment. I think mm. that um, the more the knowledge you have about the game itself, regardless of role, it's going to enable you to do that role better, sure. just straight up. Because as a play-by-play, -play, if you know what's expected to happen, you can lead yourself in and know the likely mm. outcomes. And the color obviously has to have the game knowledge to understand and put it in the layman for the viewers what's going on. Um, there's times, especially with... Uh, color casters that they will have to like flex into play-by-play -play because overwatch can have some notoriously long fights and yes. human lung capacity is a little <laughs> bit uh, a little bit limited at times so you need kind of like your color to take something away just to give you a moment so like you can you know take a sip of water collect mm. yourself and then jump straight back into it very briefly you'll notice it happening quite a lot um play-by-play is less about color casting themselves i feel but it's sure. more about understanding consequence of actions and mm. also if you understand what's needed to be said by a color caster what you think the color caster might want to say you would then be able to set them up in an easier way rather than just kind of like having this completely wide open question that right. they could take anywhere it just doesn't feel uh, connected in any way it feels like okay i'm gonna like hit that timer on the chess clock and now it's your time to talk like you you want to try and avoid doing that you're right like the 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 hard rigid kind of segments that many e many other esports like CS:GO and League of Legends for example they have those kind of set like okay you talk during the team fights and we kind of banter elsewhere but for the most part you let the color kind of explain what just happened afterwards and it is that like stop and go stop and go at, at least it feels like from the outside in it's it's very it's very different though because like in it's for League of Legends so it's a game I've covered sure. in the past and a little bit more familiar with it than csgo casting necessarily mm -hmm. like the prop the difference with the the play-by-play -play in league of legends is there's a lot more narrative prompts needed to be sure like just prompted by a league of legends play-by-play -play caster because if you think about overwatch you know mm. the frequency of fights in a round and how quickly individual maps go in comparison yeah. to league of legends where there are you know skirmishes there are like 1v1s and stuff mm -hmm. happening around the map but full five on five team fights in a standard game that's probably like 30 minutes you don't get a lot of them Mm. So there's a lot of downtime that you can't expect the color to just like constantly fill. Right. So the play by play needs to come in there with the narrative points, remind the stakes, set up like frame where the game currently is, because that can get lost in a 30 minute game sure. in, in, as opposed to like a control map of uh, like 
Ilios, for example, which can be done in like two rounds and it can mm. be quite fast if it's 100% to zero capture. Um, it requires a slightly different skill set. Um, and there, there is a little bit more rigid. I understand that the line you're coming from there with how um, play-by-plays will stick more to play-by-playing yeah. and other times we will in Overwatch. Um, but it's because the play-by-plays have uh, duties that are called upon more often than they're right. not necessarily done in Overwatch, I feel. No, for sure. Totally agree with you there. Totally agree. Um, to, to my original kind of a transition out of that horrible, horrible opening, are we ever <laughs> going to get the the old trid writing segments back? I know that was something that you kind of dabbled with early on, and I thought they were pre- they were pretty enjoyable. I, I liked them quite a bit. Are we ever going to get that? Yeah. You know, maybe a little diary series or something. Um, maybe like the, the I think I explained it to you privately because I'm yeah. not going to hide that I came to you for some advice because I liked what you mm. were doing with your written content. I was like, this guy obviously knows more than me. It's, uh, you know, any any input I can get is <laughs> very valuable. So sure. I, I think I explained it to you, um, and I'll explain again for people watching this or listening to this mm. that it, the the whole writing thing was done very selfishly. Sure, it wasn't done to produce content for others. It was mm. done to provide a an outlet for me to practice a new skill. Mm-hmm. I work a lot better at development when I have something to put it towards. So if I, it's all well and good, like writing obviously is one of the best ways to learn how to write better. But if I'm not publishing the content, then it feels like I'm not doing it for a reason. Sure. It, weird thing like that with me. Um, so that's why I was writing the content, just to pick up, try and pick up a new skill set and learn how to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the written content, why it's not here, I'm very selective about what I do with my time. Sure. If if I'm not seeing personal enjoyment or personal benefit from it, I won't do it. So it's like the 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 written pieces, yeah, they were good. It was good to see that they were getting some good responses. Yeah. People kind of liked the content and stuff, and I had fun writing those particular pieces. But then when I'm looking at like what I feel I'm individually getting from it and where I want to, what I want to do sure. with my career it's not really an outlet i need to develop in as much as i felt like i needed to like last year mm. so it's something that definitely took a bit of a back burner sure. um will i do written content again maybe i might find like the urge to do it in season two i'm not sure, sure but, um it's not something i've got planned at the moment never say never kind of yeah exactly. is that itch kind of being filled by the the on and off again kind of podcast where it's just like if if, if you want to interview somebody you want to kind of hang out maybe we'll do yeah. that but maybe not Maybe I, I feel like so like the pod the podcast is why I start doing like trid talks and stuff yeah. uh, just to do that. That's done very sporadically, and sure. it's when I kind of like when I get like an urge to do yeah, it. Yeah, right? yeah. And I think it is helpful to develop skill sets as well. Mm. Um, but it's about like whether if I don't want to if I don't want to sit there and edit a podcast and publish mm-hmm. it, right? If I don't want to do it, I'm not going to do it. Sure. I won't force myself to do something I don't want to do, yeah, yeah. Um, unless it's like something that has to be done. Sure, like sure. I'm, I'm obligated to do it. <laughs> so with a podcast, which is my own content, mm-hmm. it's like cool. I mean, I've done it. It's there, ready to be edited. And then like I was always having problems with like sound editing and stuff. And there's yeah. always like some desync on tracks which I can't possibly fix. And it, you have to go through like every like 15, 20 seconds to try and fix it with yeah. what I was doing. And I'm just like, you know what? I can't. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do that. So I'm not going to. I'm not going to do it. 
Yeah, sure. it's not something I'm obligated to do. I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and at least for me, and and I don't know if this necessarily resonates with you, if it's not something I'm super interested in or, or at least kind of passionate about, the product usually ends up being kind of yeah. bland, kind of boring, pretty shit, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it, You've got a passion is one of the best fuels for creativity. Yeah. And if your passion's your passion's dwindling, then you have to, I question myself, do I really care about this? If there's no passion, then clearly not. So if I don't care about it, why am I doing it? Yeah. Yep, right? yep, yep. You can't, you, the, the worst thing about it is you can't force passion. Mm. So if it's not there, then you're basically stumped. Like, it's cool. It's like relationships, it kids. <laughs> yeah, I guess in a way it kind of is. If the passion's not there, it's not going to work. It's exactly. Don't, uh, don't get yourself into things that you're not passionate about and see yourself doing in the long term <laughs> and if if you don't want anything long term then you know you you you, you have the sporadic flings with the writing it, and the podcasting and maybe some video content here and there and you, you dabble yeah. and that's totally fine you, you're figuring things out i like how you brought it back so i was gonna say if you don't want long-term <laughs> commitment that's why tinder's there like just go on tinder sure have fun either way either way it's not a tinder for content creation unfortunately. <laughs> That would that would be a, an interesting platform. You're like, are you an esports personality? Find young singles in your area. Like, find find young single content producers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you need guests for their shows. <laughs> you, you, then you don't you have use to worry it as like a marketing production. tool. Yeah, you don't need to worry about production. You don't have to worry <laughs> about publishing. You just turn up, say a bunch of stuff, let them ask you the questions, and then when it gets published, you hit it with the quote retweet, and you're done. <laughs> It's a much simpler process. <laughs> you, you might be onto something. We just have to somehow tie in cryptocurrency and uh, blockchain. Yeah, we'll have we'll have a we'll have a an, an initial. There you go. <laughs> um, don't know. I think it, I think it's a bit pretentious to name it after me and call it like Tridcoin for some reason. Go for it. You know what? No. Tridcoin. Tridcoin. And yeah, I I I really like just on ICOs in general. Like I love how that's just replaced it replaced just doing an investment run. Yeah. Like you get this you get this coin that we set the value of and <laughs> we can just like you can take a coin that technically isn't worth anything unless you like give it value, but we'll take your real money which has value. Yes. And I see ICOs work. Like I looked like ICOs and companies sure. can do it right, but like I feel as though like most of them are scams right now. Oh, of course. <laughs> most, most of them, or most of them, are people who are too ambitious with their projects, and they have good intentions, but they just can—they just can't possibly deliver on them. Yeah, it's, it's um, just, an... which I feel is another instance where people aren't just like, "Haha, I'm gonna scam you." Get scammers, kids. It's it, it's hard to f weed those people out, and like, okay, yeah. who's who's genuinely like trying to do something, and it's mm -hmm. like, you know good on you for having some sort of ambition but is this really the route you want to go and then you like you said there are also those very snaky people who are like yes mm. give me your money i would love to create this crypto coin for you it's it's not even like you can't even call it monopoly money because at least monopoly money you have something <laughs> physical like it's just this you, made up thing that if it's you know it's a number it's, <laughs> it's a, just a number uh it, it the, the whole thing I thought was really interesting when it started to pop up, but was uh, was very bizarre. But what interest? What what isn't bizarre? That 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 sick transition. You've done this before. Oh, beautiful! Yes, <laughs> very much so. Uh, contenders, I want to get mm -hmm. your take. Your you were you know the man, the myth, the legend over in the Europe's, and I need to mm -hmm. get learned with mm -hmm. the Europe's. 
What what do you want to be on the syllabus? <laughs> <sighs> is it still goats? Or is this you know? Is there any yes. team that isn't running goats? Is not any... religiously. It's not the religiously. default for all teams. <laughs> like the, the it's the default. It's just what the teams are good at playing. It's like why there is variation coming in from teams like trying out okay. different compositions. But for the most part, goats is the baseline. Like mm. I you know I. I don't know what to expect from the new patch we're about to enter into with playoffs, uh, but mm. I imagine if things start going wrong, they'll fall back to goats just because it's yeah. something they're comfortable with, and it might Definitely. not be the most optimal strategy that's possible, but it might be the most optimal strategy possible for them. Mm. Um, so, you know, goats is going anywhere for the time being. We may see a difference in between season two when teams have more time to practice on the new patch. Mm. Um, but I still think goats is going to be a big part of um, playoffs. I would totally agree with that. Um, I think the last time we had chatted or talked, uh, mm. Sombra was not something mm. that Europe was very um, fond towards. Mm -hmm. Is that still the case? Are our teams yeah. dabbling a little bit more? Are they coming around a to it? A little bit of dabbling, but for the most part, we are completely deprived of Sombra. It's not it's not a mainstay. Rarely gets play time. I think there's only been like two instances, I believe, mm. where we've seen like Sombra played not as just like an off pick, like where mm -hmm. it's just gonna be like, Oh, we're just gonna play Sombra for like one round. It's like uh it, it's you know, it's very rare that we get to see it in Europe. Mm. And I'm not entirely sure of the reasons why. It's not something I've spoken to players about. But um all I know is when it when I'm casting the games, uh not seeing a lot of Sombra. <laughs> the I, and again, this is from a very like finite number of sources, but from my mm -hmm. understanding, I don't know that European teams really like Sombra. I think that mm -hmm. in a vacuum, I think they look at it as something that's very beatable with just your standard mm -hmm. like Zenyatta goats. Mm -hmm. And I think it is kind of a mentality thing in a way where that is so prevalent. So people just don't try it and try to make it mm -hmm. work. So they're just like, eh you know screw it we'll just run what works and leave it at that and iron out those fundamentals and try to improve because and this is uh, this is something else that we can kind of get into you know oversight was just released and we had flame go on his big you know long tirade mm -hmm. and the whole i haven't watched it yet i haven't watched it yet they go a little bit more in depth to it but not too much more um about like the experience versus the style like should you be playing more stylistic should you be playing the meta and trying to work at that as best you can um do you think that there is kind of a a mentality that the the skill ceiling for some of these teams when it comes to goats is just so different that they could be playing something else or is it like pretty competitive throughout the uh i'd say you know playoff teams not even for like it's hard to say because like a lot changes uh, sure. with teams in Europe, especially over the course of a season. Mm. So we have matchups at the beginning of the season, which could be drastically different at the end of the season. Mm. Um, and and so it's hard to understand complete power levels of these teams coming sure. in uh, to playoffs. There's some clear favorites in there, obviously. I think teams like um, I think teams like Hurricane Giganti and Angry Titans are the teams we expect to see possibly in finals because they have they just. They're so clean at what they do, mm. right? They just they play goats, they play it well, and they have these weird variations. Especially Hurricane, they're not shy mm. of going on to more DPS heavy comps more than other teams. I feel, um, 
but those teams have the highest skill ceiling, I think. In terms of the other three, Morningstars looked a little bit weaker this season relatively to what last season was. Uh, you got uh, One Point and Shoes Money Crew in the mix as well. I don't necessarily believe that those teams are able to have the same ceiling as like those top three I've already mentioned up. Sure. Um, so I, I feel as though variation into style could be a, an argument here where they just mm. like... I mean, the best example of that that we've had in previous seasons was Winstrike. Like, yeah. they couldn't play goats. They knew they couldn't play goats. So what so did they, they do? They May. came. Away. They played May. Yeah. They played May, and it worked. It worked on a lot of maps. Mm-hmm. It couldn't beat like people who fully understood what they were doing, like the tier one teams of sure. Europe. But like, it got wins. It kept the middle yeah. of the pack. And they know, made playoffs being... last season, correct? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Not being able to play goats should have been a death sentence. Yeah, it should have been a death sentence. And it was it just it just wasn't because mm-hmm. they found that style. So I think that's really the evidence of it. We don't really have a team like that this season mm. because, like, Windstrike was scattered to the quantum winds, uh, separated. They were too powerful, so they were broken up. Um, <laughs> you know, two two of them two of them have been relegated back to trial. Uh, Eng I, Eng's on one point, I believe. Eng's still in there. Um, I think some of went to NA. Shari- yeah, Sharik's off in NA. Yeah. Like. Uh, Ilka's bopping around somewhere, like their coach. Like the, the the team's still there, but but the point I'm trying to make is like we have seen evidence of teams using a different style instead mm. of being able to keep up with the rest of the meta. I don't think we've necessarily seen it this season. Mm. Would you say like the closest team to that kind of um, Chengdu esque kind of curveball team would that probably be the the Hurricane for you? Yeah, Hurricane. Mm. But the problem is, is like Hurricane can just play whatever their goats is very good yeah. so like it's not a case of like needing this safe for the execution of the mm. standard comp it's they can do both which makes them even more terrifying i can't my sleep schedule is absolutely messing with my memory right now because <laughs> i can't remember where i where i said this mm-hmm. but i want to get your take on this and, and okay and stop me if i've already said it mm-hmm when it comes to the gauntlet, so at the end of the season, right? If we were to play... Gauntlet or showdown, sorry. Gauntlet. So, like, gauntlet. all of the okay. regions competing internationally, right? So, the worlds yeah. of contenders. Yeah, pretty much. I think in this patch right now, so the pre-Baptiste patch, mm-hmm. I can't remember the number at the moment. I think if you put... I think. Something like that. If yeah. you put Hurricane in the, you know, let's just assume that Hurricane advances forward as the e, one mm-hmm. of the EU seeds and they go internationally. At the moment, I think they are probably, I'll, I'll go ahead and say, I think they would win the gauntlet right now. Right now, you think they'd win yep. the gauntlet? <clears throat> yep. I think they do very well. Um, I think that what is it supposedly? Obviously, they added those implications in the announcement. But let's yeah, say we take super confusing, be, by the way. Yeah. Oh no, I understand now. I had a good read. I <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. I understood. Them. I, I had um, to go through it, but hmm. but not the most intuitive rule set. But continue. Yeah. Sorry. But um, if we just say on average two teams from each region, sure, and we say three from NA, mm. I imagine the rankings. If we were playing on current patch. Mm-hmm. I would put Hurricane maybe second or third if they have if they're on a good day. I wouldn't really? say they'd take first. I I still genuinely believe that like a team like Runaway would just mm. bend them over the table. Like, I think I Runaway know. is that is is head and shoulders above anything else in tier two right now. And and the fact that they can dominate a region as dominant as Korea on the mm. current patch is 
is not the same as Hurricane dominating Europe on the current patch. The level of competition overall is higher. So, and mm. I, I could be entirely wrong with that. That's yeah. why we're having the... No, right? for sure, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But just on the interpretation, I feel as though like a team like Runaway would still beat Hurricane on current patch. Um, in terms of Showdown, if Showdown was on current patch, yeah, absolutely. We'd, sure. We're going to roll in. We would roll in a... Um, I don't have 100% confidence because I don't know what's going to happen with this new patch. Because obviously, NA's, NA's been a little bit more dabbly with DPS. Yes. They resisted goats longer than like Europe did. Mm -hmm. So um, it, it's, I, I can't 100% stake that we're going to roll Showdown as much as I want to believe. Mm -hmm. After playoffs, I'll have a better idea to see oh, what these teams are playing. Yeah. Uh, Gauntlet, though, on current patch, I think that Hurricane takes silver or bronze. I don't think they take gold. The the only so so some of the big reasons why I think that Hurricane would be a really good shout to win, and I think probably for my money would win, is mm -hmm. they have more time with goats. Yes, Runaway yes. looks very very clean. They mm -hmm. they look very good. I think just in a goats, like if I could lock both teams into goats, which mm -hmm. will kind of lead into my next point, it would be one of the closer games, and I do think that Runaway probably would have taken it. But mm -hmm. we've seen Hurricane in the past, especially last season. They're coming out and they're trying to break you. They'll they'll put the time mm -hmm. into looking at your kind of patterns and where you're putting your resources, what your tendencies are, how you know your your supports use their alts. Which, to be fair, a lot of these Eastern teams are using a little bit more tempo oriented support ultimates. That mm -hmm. was last season. I I'm just mm -hmm. kind of catching up with some of my contenders vods, so I'll I'll mm -hmm. feign ignorance and forfeit that ground if that's not the case currently. But so I, I, go ahead. I, I I think that like something to note about Hurricane is we've had for the the, the big the kind of big free teams mm. in Hurricane last season. No, not in Hurricane in Europe last season. If you ignore AT, because AT was obviously a very dominant team. Sure. AT had changes. Uh, I just had one change. Like they lost Ellie Boat and picked up a meal, mm. and they lost um, packing. Um, uh, no, yeah, they lost. Uh, yeah, they lost packing, but packing was kind of already gone last ah, season. Fair kind enough. of talking about season three. Mm. Um, They've lost a couple of members and they've had to do roster substitutions. Okay. But Giganti, Hurricane, and Morning Stars, apart from the hardest acquisition, are relatively unchanged. Mm. Yet, we are seeing, with minimal difference to patch, Hurricane go from not being able to get to a final to looking like strong final contenders. Right. And they played in the group with every team. There was no excuse of, like, they had a harder group this time or a weaker group. Everyone was in the same group. Mm. So, And yet they still rose to the top with a repeated season. Uh, the regular season so far it remains to be seen if we go into playoffs. I think there's an argument to say that the longer you're giving Hurricane, they are definitely one of these teams that's just churning out a faster uh, development cycle, so to speak. And they are coming up with these creative ways to break what would be the mold of goats. Mm. It's one of the reasons I, uh, you know, they've done so well this season is they're willing to deviate successfully. Well, not yeah. willing to. They uh, they deviate more successfully, I feel, than other teams do. Mm. Um not necessarily that's the most optimal thing to do. It's not to discredit the team's option to run goats. Of I'm saying they, they have a higher success rate, mm. I feel, when they deviate from goats than other teams do. Mm. Um, but you have to credit the rate of development the Hurricane have got, sure. purely because if you look at the position they were last season, the position they are now, mm -hmm. with minimal roster changes of the top teams, it's pretty impressive. And you could make the argument that if we were to just put put gauntlet in the calendar where we had where we have showdown sure right and not change the patch 
that they still have more development time able to go and get a better understanding they feel i feel like a team that would benefit from the time more than others for Mm -hmm. example I still there's a but I, 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 but still, <laughs> I, I still don't know if they would be runaway and unfortunately it's one of the questions that is going to be remain yeah. unanswered for a little purely bit because the patch is going to change mm-hmm. I feel as though any European team meta is boosted purely by the patch mm. just because we have like you said that veterancy with yes. this particular meta that's not to say players can't play other things. Oh, of course, of it, course. It's just to say, innately, the experience is going to boost you regardless Definitely. of what, how well you can play other compositions. So when we move into other comps, mm. EU does take a hit, not because of their ability, but because of the experience. And so I feel as though that opens it up a little bit more um, for competition to be equal. I still think that European talent is is very strong mm-hmm. so it's it's one of those things where i still think regardless of patch eu is still going to perform well on an international stage Definitely. if you want to be like very reductionist about it just look at the player distribution of al it's korea then europe yeah like there's a reason european players pop off and they do well and it's yeah. we had a huge in in like huge influctuation of them from uh, from contenders in in the start of season two, mm-hmm. with teams like Rain picking them up, you got Gladiators investing in them as well. Like, yeah. I feel as though like European talent is form. I just feel like if we would have had the gauntlet or the showdown on this particular patch, there could have been some boosted positionings just because of that experience. Definitely, definitely, and and that is like a very big caveat that I have to. Mm-hmm again kind of like remind is that it, it would be on this patch and that's not necessarily mm. going to be the case in reality right in reality no. we could be playing on something totally different that blows this whole popsicle stand right out of the water who knows torben sim could be viable exactly hero 31 could be out by net then yep. you know which uh, they teased with the new event did right they at the end. i haven't played it yet so i'll have to Ooh, i'll have to okay. i'll have to Just play 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 through the arcade mode. It's not a not. It's not a massive tease. Just like hmm. a little, little like a, just a little nod. Like hey, just a little, yeah, just a little nod. Like hey, you could be uh, joining the show real quick. Mm. Like, but then again, it falls into the territory of like heroes that are teased that don't True. actually come out yet. True. Like we still have that Robo. I think the Echo. Echo. Yeah. Echo wasn't teased as a hero. No information of when we're getting it. <laughs> she has her own. She's she has like a pretty big portion of a cinematic that she's in, and we just have no yep. info on her. We don't know who the hell she yep. is, it, what what she is, and, 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 and then we get no cinematic info about wrecking. Just get just get that. Here we go. Like, yeah. So just because we've had a hero tease doesn't mean it's hero. <laughs> that's true. Like, like that's, that's we we true. that might be hero thirty eight. Like. <laughs> I mean, they got to go all the way back. They got to start getting like the Junker Town Queen. You know, we got to go through that Rolodex of like the yeah. the hero recall, like the all the heroes that flash, like in the Winston mm-hmm. cinematic. Like, there's yeah, there's a lot make... of. There's a one as well. Like this Su- uh, Sojourn or Sojourn. Sojourn yeah. yeah, that's probably going to be a hero. Yeah. Like, I think they've uh, be a hero. they've nodded to that. I, I did see that uh, they were kind of teased again. And much in the same way as they they were in uh, the Winston cinematic, so it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Yeah. But but one other thing that I wanted to talk about with Runaways is that we haven't seen that team specifically on something that isn't goats yet. 
And that's mm-hmm. that's what really intrigues me about okay. this Hurricane Runaway matchup is if Runaway can actually play things that aren't goats, then I'd be okay. You know what? Runaway takes it, but I haven't seen them be very flexible. I have, however, seen them compete mm-hmm. in China, and China right. is very flexible, and they they mm-hmm. absorb those blows very well. They're very well prepared. They set up against you know these these multi DPS compositions very very well. So they would be able to play into it well, but mm-hmm. when you take a team like Hurricane and you 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 know you give them the nod, say they're super prepared and they use the they, they utilize time very very well and they have you know great DPS players, not to say that China doesn't, but mm-hmm. having a caliber having a team at that caliber throw mm-hmm. different curveballs at you and constantly shift gears much in the same way that Chung do to get did against hunters that kind of threw them mm-hmm. off. So, okay, we're playing DPS or we're Chung in the did against Chung do did against hunters. Sorry. No, not hunters. <laughs> Freudian slip. You just, you just, the, Aaron Titans. Me. <laughs> <laughs> the Titans <laughs> where they were, where they were kind of just throwing the, the DPS curveball. the Titans mm-hmm. kind of adapt. They, they learned, they kind of obtain that mindset. And then the hunters, go around mm-hmm. and then they play goats and I'm like, Oh, okay. We didn't expect that. So now they have to kind of reshift into that. And Oh, okay. Yeah. Like it's, it's constant, you know, teetering the platform. Mm-hmm. And I think hurricane could be that for, uh, for runaway for sure. They can, they can force them to play these mm-hmm. comps that they're not comfortable with. So yeah, not let them get comfortable and get into mm-hmm. the river, constantly make them change the dynamic. Yeah. I could see that definitely being an, one of the things that hurricane's very good at yeah. doing. Um, I feel as though like, I feel as though like you would force you yeah you're right you would force runaway to adapt but it's about that like coefficient of comfort right sure like how 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 uncomfortable can you make them by changing the compositions like are they are these is runaway a team that can adapt very quickly is mm. it one of those things where you try this as if you're hurricane and suddenly hurricane are like well, sorry uh, runaway are just like well okay cool they're throwing like happy on faro they got triple right. dps on the go cool we know what to do against that let's just change done like that and then they go toe to toe like that's that's the that is the big uh, i think i agree with your line of line of thought here mm-hmm. i do think that is like the the big question mark is how fast can they adapt to a team that seemingly has no problem with adapting but we i don't think we typically see hurricane react more rather they are the proactive team with True. their compositional True. choices so what happens then if runaway are like okay if they well, come out just, then we, they're they're the curveball I mean, sure. you have a lot. You, uh, Hurricane have a lot in their arsenal to pull from, mm-hmm. but do they do it well when they're not setting the tempo of the game? It's it's funny you say that. I would. It's a pretty small sample size, but last mm-hmm. year's playoffs, talking mm-hmm. to some of the analysts on Hurricane, you know, talking to Dream at the time was working with them, talking to mm-hmm. Albion, um, they were pretty disappointed that they couldn't adapt to Giganti and that they were very much, they were, they were almost too focused on being proactive that they couldn't mm-hmm. react to the reaction. Right. So mm-hmm. the, the look that they threw at Giganti, Giganti adapted to, and they couldn't change that look. They just kept running the same kind of doom fist, you know, mm-hmm. funnel strategy. They couldn't, and, and it wasn't so much of like a compositional change. It was just, mm-hmm. okay, they, they've figured this out. So let's just, tweak it a little bit let's like mm-hmm. focus the tanks instead of the back line stuff like that um so i i would agree and i would probably say that they are a little bit slow to adapt if they were to get tossed a curveball that they weren't prepared with mm-hmm. yeah I, I would say that 
it's possible that they get caught. Mm-hmm. And it, it, go, it does go back to that caveat I mentioned at the beginning of mm. things I praise Hurricane for, like the rate of development they do have. Like that mm. might not be a problem. Sure. It might come around to playoffs and a team might proactive make a proactive change against them and they might just absolutely nail it now. Just 100%. know exactly what to do. Um, you know, I do think the team has improved a lot considering mm. they have minimal minimal roster changes across the top half of our like standings. It's only the, yeah, it's the thing, it's only the bottom half of contenders that ever gets like changed. It's always it's the true. bottom half. The top That's half, true. like if there's any changes, it's just like cool. We'll just take someone from the bottom. Mm-hmm. We'll just we'll just cherry pick who who's in trials yeah. or who's who might be going to trials and not and even trials. Like none of the top teams pick up people from trials. They pick up like players that are already in contenders. Mm-hmm. The difference is they can offer them money. So, like, <laughs> and so, do you do you take the paid job or do you keep playing for an unpaid team? It's yeah. it makes a hundred percent sense to see that mobility upwards, Definitely. and it's good for the it is good for the players on an individual basis. It just hurts the team sometimes. Definitely, definitely, and mm-hmm. you know, talk about hurting teams and and you know, uh, referencing Hurricane, which are the original academy team in Europe. Yeah, I want to talk to you about uh, the old Paris Eternal coming in. Oh boy. What uh, happened there? What happened there? Um, I feel like it's one of those teams that I felt if they had more time, mm. they would have been fine. I feel okay. as though like whatever was going on in the back room, you could definitively say this team was getting better over time. Okay. Uh, I feel as though they had more time, maybe they would have done better. They picked up a lot of losses earlier in the and mm. it didn't help that as this team was coming together they also had like the toughest week possible they had Gigante and then Morningstars back to back to open up the season and it was a newly formed team um, I don't feel as though there was a lot of high end veterancy on that roster in terms of playing mm. um, I, so I feel like there was just a problem with like keeping it together in the early stages and that okay. started to started to come together towards the end we didn't see any like massive performances from the team Altogether, some individual star performances there. Um, like um, Chow, I still think very good at what he does. Um, Kenzie has a very underutilized hero pool in this meta. I feel because mm. um, he, he he like strives on uh, being able to like play whatever. Right? Sure. He's he's got this deep hero pool that he can't use just because of the meta, which is right. really frustrating for him. I imagine Definitely. so. If it changes, I, I feel like this team was a team that wasn't built for goats. It was built for what comes next. Mm. Um, the problem was that with the way contenders works, you do kind of need to focus on what's right in front of you. Definitely. Otherwise, you end up in trials. Um, and so I feel as though this this is a team, its current position, mm-hmm. that will be able to get back into contenders. Okay. Um. Uh, but that is very circumstantial and what we see happen with hatches when those trials match. Sure. Um, I, I'm unfortunately I'm not too familiar with what's going on with division. Yeah. I don't really take any interest in that until like it gets closer to Playoffs, finals and maybe trials. like top eight or something. You kind of start having a look at like Yeah, who's who's good, who's bad, where where where, where are the players that got yeah. kicked out, where are they now? Like are they gonna come back in? Because you do see you rarely see new additions mm-hmm. to just the players and contenders. It's just they come out in different formats and they're on different setups. Um, in terms of Eternal Academy, yeah, I think it's one of those teams where they had more th- better. It was just a new roster. They had tough competition in the early weeks, picked up too many losses and mm-hmm. couldn't bring it back. In time. 
I do think it was a team built for the future. And so I think if if they can come back in season two and there's a little bit more focus on something that's not goats, mm. I think they could perform better. If they get back into if they get back into contenders and they get relegated again, I think you see <laughs> substantial changes on that roster. I, I don't think to, you yeah. can. I because I, I was saying about Hurricane when they got relegated, if they didn't get back into contenders, mm-hmm. that team would have been dropped. Yeah, you can't. 100%. You cannot have an academy team that doesn't qualify for contenders. What is the, what is the point? Like, you, you've got an academy team that plays in OD. Yes. No. Oh, I think you're spot on with Hurricane, right? Hurricane. Right. If if we're looking at it in, in the the grand scheme of things, mm-hmm. Hurricane is an academy team to an all Korean Overwatch League team. It, yes. it is a glorified marketing arm. You know, yep. giving support to the EU You'll scene is, is very amicable and, and respectable. But are you going to see Sparker move up and play alongside Bird Ring? No, not but that, that's not. I, I know what the point is. I don't yes. think the issues are connected, though. Okay. That's, I, think that's, I think that's a separate point. I think that has nothing to do with whether you drop the team altogether. Mm. Like, because if, if you. I think where you were going with the point see mobility between eternal academy and eternal you could and that's why i think if worse comes to worse mm-hmm. and they do get relegated to open division i could see mm-hmm. still some value in having an academy team to put two way players on to at least mm-hmm. you know have some sort of like you said churn upwards if if need mm-hmm. be and there you can still find value whereas hurricane and cloud nine you you can't find value because it is it is a mm-hmm. marketing arm you know what i mean okay so so here's here's the flip side of that for okay. eternal academy your team gets relegated to open division. Sure. You start churning up talent for open division. Uh-huh. The players you can get onto your roster, you know there are better players just in Europe in general. They don't need to go for your academy true. team. Why would you pull from OD when you can pull talent from... That's if you true. say if you turn, you turn around to a player like Haffy Call, for example, who's mm-hmm. on Hurricane, right? he knows he cannot get directly promoted to Spitfire mm-hmm. unless he learns Korean. Like, So you go to Haffy and you go, cool, I want you to be our off-tank. You can come to Al tomorrow. Yeah. Done. He's he's leaving Hurricane 100% because he's got Al. Right? Mm-hmm. I, 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 your your team, your academy team doesn't serve that talent development purpose because you're not developing them for your roster. You're developing them for contenders. Mm. Because, like, you don't need... A, a, a player doesn't need to be on your academy team to then be in your Al team. So you can spend your time developing talent and open the... It's very amicable. Right, you're yeah. supporting a tier three instead of tier two. It doesn't provide any value for you as an organization because you can just pick up the players you want from contenders. You tell them you're going to give them out, they'll jump through hoops for you. I I do agree with you. I think it would be easier for an organization to say, "Hey, we're going to bring you up." Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot cheaper that way. Buyouts yeah. are pretty pretty pricey these days, and and you know we have seen some some budget talk. You know, mm-hmm. teams teams have budgets. You know, mm-hmm. it, to say that, you know, Boston's paying max dollar bills for every one of their members would be a flat out lie. Yeah. And uh, they, they, they they do what they can to get by and God almighty, they, they do pretty well for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there is some value in it just by having mm-hmm. the ability to just bring up direct players mm-hmm. instead of having to go out, go through the buyout process, you know, contract I, negotiation, mm-hmm. all that. I think I need to clarify what I mean by drop. Okay. I mean you're dropping the players, not the academy team. Sure. Like, 
you're you're, you're not. You're, I agree with you. That you'd keep the academy team. Mm. You wouldn't keep the roster. You would probably you would, not. Yeah, if you get relegated, you yeah. probably have to rebuild. You no, it's not even relegated once. They've been relegated. Don't imagine a True. change. They relegated twice, or they failed to back into contenders. Then you fundamentally change the roster yeah. for your, what could be your next That's attempt. Fair. And seeing we've only got two seasons this year, if you don't get into season two, your next attempt should come around sometime early next year, I guess. Because yep. we've only been told we're getting two seasons of contenders this year. Mm-hmm. So you've got plenty of time to then either stick with the roster, which I don't think is necessarily financially viable. Mm-hmm. You'll be paying a roster that's not going to compete in contenders from, what is it, like sometime around june july is when we're having the next season sure. until like beginning of next year so what you're going to pay a roster six uh, six month salary to not pro- just not do nothing yeah to just do nothing i, rough, I don't yeah. think i don't think you would see that commitment i think eternal academy just drops the roster and says we'll we'll go again yeah. next time yeah. when it comes around the trials we will create a new roster we will own the spot in trials mm. we will take loads of talent from contenders already and go look these players together way they don't make it into contenders yeah we didn't beat the team back at the contenders and have a better season like i said i think the the eternal academy is uh is a long-term project For in sure. terms of the players they picked up um it's hiccup on the front door just based off of like the current meta but i think it was a team that's designed for the long so mm-hmm. i think this this roster will get back into contenders for season two mm-hmm. if it doesn't then we start talking about the let's change this up a bit because it's not working right do you think final point on on you know mm-hmm. poo pooing on the uh, the Paris Eternal uh, Academy team mm-hmm. kind of floundering in in trials now? Um, mm-hmm. Do you think there's a world where they play the ultra long game and say, yeah, well, we got relegated twice, but we do kind of there there is maybe a look at these players that we might want to bring them over in some I think capacity. It, I think like you could probably keep. I, I don't know how the internals work of the sure. team necessarily, how it's, but I think that like you could keep a core there of the team and yeah. just make some substitutions into it. Maybe. Um, like if you're really uh, hell bent on like I, saving one or two people, I think, I think if like the entire like, I think you can salvage some of the team and put in some better components. Sure. Um, like, I, I I will give my my right. So I'll, I'll say this openly. My face value interpretation of the team mm-hmm. is different to what it is now. Um, but I will say at face value, when I looked at the roster, I looked at it and I went, half of that makes sense, half of it doesn't. Mm. And based off of previous season's performances, I was looking at it and going, and I will state my opinion is different now. Sure. I'm just for the sake of players, I'm not going to explain like how it's different. Just know it is right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but at the time, I was thinking and going, Kenzie, Chow, and Pluk on an academy team makes sense. Okay. Just from my outside perspective. Mm-hmm. The other half didn't necessarily scream attack academy team caliber at the time. Mm. Um, so I always felt that the team was like kind of like, okay, well, that's a core that I can get behind. And maybe the rest of the team can do mm. Interpretation of the team has changed now slightly. It's less of that divide. It's more of the team does feel like it's a complete team. Mm-hmm. It's just like at, not at the right level yet. And I feel as though over time it will be. Um, but there is definitely a core there you can salvage with the team. Some of these players are extremely talented. It's just that it, it wasn't a very... I didn't look at that roster and go, this roster is going to bang. Like this roster is going to do so well in contenders. Like it did not give that impression to me when I saw it. Okay. And I didn't expect relegation. I'll be honest with you. Mm. 
but I didn't expect them to win playoffs and right, take the first yeah. season. Right. It it is uh, just uh, you mentioned it on Twitter. It, it was a, uh, a iconic, a, a funny. Yeah, it's an iconic duo that uh, academy teams in Europe have to at least you know do their tour of duty through trials and. I mean, sort of like parade esque. They they can't have a fall from grace because they never have any accomplished <laughs> team. It's not like Hurricane where you win. Yeah, you peak and then you just, just valley immediately. I mean, they had a platform to jump off of. Sure. It feels like they've just burrowed up into the swimming pool rather than dive into it. They just haven't been able to get to the surface yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like, it, I don't think it's less of a tragedy as it was for Hurricane in Season 2. Sure. Just because we haven't seen the highest highs of this roster. Right. Um but there is a kind of like basically like academy teams there's nothing on paper that says that they should be performing well mm. it's just the assumption that yeah you'd assume like you have better. the money you have the coaching yeah. staff you have some yeah. sort of structure behind you yeah you guys should be doing well and then you have a team like one point like haha i'd like to see you try yeah one point did really well in season really well in season three to be Signed off, ah. right? Yeah, kind of blew out of playoffs a little bit, but like the roster itself was for a team that's not getting paid, from my understanding. Yeah, yeah, they were. They, they're an unsigned org. Um, you know, uh, and just to throw in some more NA salt here, I think a team <laughs> would like dominate a couple of the academy teams last season mm. in in NA. Like, is that a jab at know? Mayhem Academy of last season? Because it's, it's, it's not jab. It's not jab. It's not jab. It's not a jab at a particular team. Fair it's enough, a jab at like there are resources available to teams that yes. cannot perform as well as teams who have no resources. Yes, which I think is more amicable, but it's not something that should be normalized. Yes, right, very much so. Um, but I feel as though like if you if you picked up one point and you put them under, I don't know, I don't really follow any content. Valiant have an academy team. No, no, surprisingly no. enough. No, cool. So one point becomes Valiant <laughs> Academy. Okay. And, like, and then they sit in NA contenders. If we're talking season three, middle of the pack. Easy. At the very least, middle of the pack. At the very least. But they would have got like salary. You know? maybe, they, maybe they still would have choked in playoffs. I don't know. Possibly. Who uh, knows? But their group stage performance in season three, absolutely fine. Like amicable for an unsigned org team mm. with no resources. And so you have that expectation on Academy team. That, yes. You know, you've got money you've got resources mm-hmm. and like it's actually a conversation i had with nuki a bit like that's not the case like the most the, the most well-resourced team in contenders europe is actually morning stars yep. and they're not an academy team they have a team house they have a chef they live in italy together uh-huh. hurricane doesn't have a team house no they don't have chefs they, they get paid have... they have some I, chairs they get, but they get they get paid and get some like logitech and secret yeah, lab yeah. stuff courtesy of jack but other than that, I mean, like they're not even the most well-resourced team. Like no. even Angry Titans has a team house. They basically work out of uh, Crefield, where yeah. Speaking of, is that is that some like home field advantage type shit? Like if no. they go to, if you they tell go me to... a home field advantage. In East? <laughs> no, that's like me saying that Hurricane always wins King's Row. It's like sure, it's it's purely thematic. I mean, you could argue. Um, the time zone difference and jet lag maybe yeah. that's a common one in esports that always get to used to get sure, moved on. Sure, sure. But like i i don't think a home field advantage necessarily plays into it i mean the last atlantic showdown was also in eu so but it, but it wasn't at like <laughs> their headquarters right from my understanding atlantic the showdown funny... is going to be at the bar right 
Yeah, yeah. The the funniest thing would be if Angry Titans don't get a showdown spot. That would be that would be so. Because <laughs> they just sad. have to they just have to like turn up and eat shit for a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> it would be like New York not making the finals in season one. Yeah, in New York. Yeah, you you kind of like this is in our city. This is right on our doorstep. I suppose we'll go <laughs> just to be like there in the community and do like meet and stuff. But like we're not happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, it would be quite funny if AT doesn't make it. <laughs> I, I personally think it would be for AT. Definitely, it won't be. The AT would probably be really angry if they don't mm. go. Um, but like, <laughs> at the same time, I, I just think like I'll probably end up going. Like, so here's the thing: if I'm, if I, I I'll, I'll say on this, we don't know talent decisions yet. Sure, sure, sure. At the time of recording, right? Um, if I end up going. Uh, if I don't end up working it, I will still be going to the showdown just because it's on my doorstep and yeah. I still want to go and see it and have presents. For sure. Um, I cannot wait to turn up and see AT not actually performing there. <laughs> just chilling I, in their bus like, oh man. Ch- chilling, chilling in the bus. Uh, also just like probably having a few drinks, not worrying about it, just kind of drinking their sorrow. Yeah. Uh, I can see that happening. You Definitely. Know? Uh, and I, I'd, I'd get a kick out of it and then I realize, oh wait, no, these are humans. <laughs> they're actually upset i probably shouldn't make fun of them for this <laughs> i i you know on that on that topic i do hope we we get a take kind of style event mm. a little bit chill yeah a- as much as it should be you know this big prestigious thing i think there mm-hmm. is a charm to take style takeover you know the home story cup style mm-hmm. events where it's a little chill it's more relaxed and you can pull in players to kind of give you know feedback this that the other thing i think that would be really interesting to see you know a little bit more grassroots and, and let them run it the way that they want i don't think that'll happen mm-hmm. if i nope. had guess i don't think that's gonna happen <laughs> so uh, i will say i agree i completely agree with you i, sure. I for i've been i've even like added take tv a couple of times about it like i want takeover free yeah. i want that vibe i want that back again it's slightly different because this isn't a take tv product it's uh, it's a white label, okay. right? It's it's a it's a Blizzard product, <sighs> and that's not that's not to a total detriment, but it's like this is supposed to be a big deal. We only, oh, we're yeah, only getting we're getting we're getting two lands this year, two mm. official Blizzard lands, three if you include Pacific. Like I'm just talking about Europe, um, and 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 this is supposed to be a a, a high level of competition. Like I look at it as Premiership to Champions League football mm. in, the, in like Europe, right? And I feel as though Wild Takeover has a unique vibe to it, and it's something I thoroughly enjoyed watching. I, I don't think it fully acclimatizes with something Blizzard wants to have a certain level of gravity to it. Sure. So I feel as though we might not get that casual vibe there. Um, but I don't know what the production plan is. Sure, sure. I could be completely wrong about this. It's just the way I perceive it, and my, from my understanding, what Blizzard may want. I think Definitely. That that take that casual couch casting like style mm-hmm. doesn't suit itself to an event that wants to have a lot of gravity. Like sure. I think Blizzard wants this to have. Um, don't get me wrong, still want to take over event. I want take over free. Um, I just feel as though this isn't the right opportunity mm. for that. But if like I'm just saying, if this gets decent viewership and there's a good physical attendance. I think that does help take that TV opens the go. Door. Yeah, I think take TV kind of look at this and go, okay, there's you know there is some interest here. Mm. There are people watching tier two Overwatch, and then they need to like work it out 
like Blizzard and get over any roadblocks that may exist. I don't know how why there's no tier two tournaments, but I imagine there's like certain requirements and hoops that you need to jump through just to be careful. Mm. Um, so you know they might see the interest from okay. uh, white labeling this, and then they might go, okay, yeah, we can do this. We can do takeover free, and then work with Blizzard to make that happen. I think that that's like how we get takeover free is having a good event this time around, just with like the white label. Okay. But like I said, I'm not Blizzard. I'm not yeah, Take yeah, TV. Yeah. I don't know why they haven't done it. Um, For sure. I just think that this could be a a brief proof of concept that mm. it's still viable to run a tier two Overwatch event and have some kind of return as a business. Definitely, definitely. Are you kind of, you know, slightly, you know, disappointed that you guys aren't going back to Poland in the weird kind of bubble arena? Yeah, the Alvernia planet. Yeah, um, yeah it did it look called. like a space. Yeah, it's Alvernia. It did look like a space station. Some sort of space colony. Yeah, it was really, well, inside it looked like the inside was even weirder. Like mm. it, it was, it had like a weird decor to it that made it look very alien. Um, mm. you, it just screams the film Alien. Okay. It's really weird. Um <laughs> No, the Alvernia planet was pretty good. It was a little bit out of the way there, so like I don't think a tent was necessarily as uh, strong because it wasn't really in like a a centralized location. It was okay. in between like two cities, and it wasn't the easiest thing to get to. Um, so I feel like it did hinder physical attendance. Uh, so I'm not totally lost about not being okay. in Poland. I also like the idea that you are going to different locations to make it easier for people to travel to because sure. like some people may be diehard fans but they might not have like the the finances to you know travel to another mm -hmm. country in, within europe just to go to an offline event so like if you're in if you live in france and the contenders playoffs is in like poland mm -hmm. it, it might be more difficult for you to get to poland than it is for you to get to germany Definitely. and then you might be able to attend an event in germany so i like the idea of circulating around europe and trying to change the location to let as many people kind of experience uh, an offline event as much as possible you know mm -hmm. for sure for sure and i think um you know i'll go even farther i'll i'll you know we have at least some sort of verbal confirmation from uh, nate nanzer that they will mm -hmm. not be expanding in season mm -hmm. three they'll, i think they're probably putting a lot of their focus and and kind of brain power in mm -hmm. figuring out what they're going to do in terms of traveling. i don't envy them i, I don't envy don't, them I've, i think I, there's so much work <laughs> so a lot of work that is being built as we speak you know godspeed i hope it works out i hope these yeah. homesteads work out but much in the same way as you know this could be a step forward for take tv do you think this is <laughs> Do you think so you, you know where I'm going? The 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 home the homestead thing. Okay, right? sure. That's that's like that is a diet coke of geolocation because <laughs> because because yes, you are having a home game, mm. right? From Blizzard's point of view, or from the way I see it, that is nowhere near the same as no. after the like you are having all of your games from that one venue. In your home and away scenario, you are having multiple games at multiple <laughs> venues around the world on different time yep. zones. You, yeah, this is like this is like shallow end of the pool for geolocation. Dip in the and it toe. needs to happen. Yep, needs to happen to kind of show proof of concept and show that it's going to work. But like, I mean, it's nowhere near the no. the, the undertaking that you need to go through to get this geolocation working in its full form yep. and. I, like I said, I'm not privy to any information about this, but 
I don't think we're going to see an, a fully actualized geolocation in Season 3. I think we're going to see a diluted version that does deliver on most of home and away games. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's it's something that will take multiple seasons to fully yes. actualize. Um, so we will see home and away games Season 3. Nate Nantes, Daddy Nate, giving us his word. He's uh, going to make sure we get that. But I feel as though there's still a lot of room to grow with after that first season before we see like the fully realized home and away east global esport that mm-hmm. we are yet to see at all in like sure. i think in esports history but yeah. like i could be wrong there could be some like scuffed attempt like 10 years ago that I'm yeah, i mean of. the the one thing that everybody pointed toward was like cgs yeah, yeah, yeah. like i said scuffed. yeah very much scuffed um do you think that so so two things do you think that if 2020 is a little bit diluted in terms of geolocation, mm-hmm. does that hinder season four's expansion at all? Potentially. Mm. I mean, if you, if you're blizzard staff and you're internally. Okay. So that didn't work out very well. We need to make some serious changes to make this viable for season. Four. your resources are being allocated to that. There's no point in expanding a product that yeah. you think yourself isn't working how you want it to. You commit those resources to make it work how your vision sees it. Mm. So, I don't know. I think if you do have a diluted version of uh, Home and Away games that aren't working to your own liking, I don't think you expand. I think you fix what you exist, you have existing. And then you look at expansion when you're comfortable with what you got. Now, I don't know what Al's complete vision mm-hmm. for Home and Away games is. Definitely. So I wouldn't be able to give you a metric success even after seeing season three but i would just know how i would handle it if like i've got a product that's not working if you're like a like a franchise if you're mcdonald's first store and your store doesn't work (laughs) do you open five more do you open five more (laughs) like no get get your house in order Mm -hmm. then look at building the building the conservatory on the back like extending the garage get everything sorted first then expand I think that's the approach that Blizzard will need to take. But like I said, I don't know their metrics of success. Of course, of course. Now, my second point, you know, Mm -hmm. going back to, to, you know, Take TV and, you know, much in the same way that you mentioned, you know, long form, this could open Mm up uh, avenues for Take TV to kind of step back into the scene, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Uh, They they put on a great show and a great product. Uh, You know, love to see them come back into the space. But I look at I look at Overwatch World Cup Paris and I look at that mm-hmm. live audience and I say, wow, this was this was a, a behind the scenes proof of concept for any Paris, you know, uh, buy-ins, mm-hmm. any shareholders that were interested in getting into the league, and seeing that crowd be so dynamic and so enthralled with what they were seeing. Mm-hmm. Is there a world where if this Atlantic showdown is a success in Germany that this could be the the kind of entrance for a German slot in the future? Potentially. I think mm. that they're, they're very different beasts. Uh, obviously, sure, the venue capacity is entirely different. Had the most passionate fans in the world, you'd be able to replicate what the French did. Mm. Um, just because the it wasn't just the energy from them, it was the sheer quantity of them yeah. as well, um, which made that uh, live experience what it was. I think that the you're you're not going to be able to have the same capacity. Mm-hmm. I think a good attendance and an interactive audience always works well because interaction in, in an audience shows passion. Passion at its most cynical level can be monetized. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so I feel as though like a strong presence at the Atlantic Showdown will kind of show proof of concept, just not to the same degree sure, as a course. large French crowd did at the uh, Paris qualifying. Mm. Because that was that was like my big concern with 2020 and geolocation when we were going into season two. It's like, okay, if this is going to be some sort of, you know, traveling circus, you kind of want. Mm -hmm. Germany is such a great place. It's great for esports history. It's great in mm -hmm. terms of like travel for Europe because it's just sat dead nuts in the middle. Mm -hmm. Like it, it, it is a good kind of like transition point. Like, okay, we're going to go here and now we have games here. It's it, it leads well. So I, the, I I assumed that that they would have had a, a a nod, but unfortunately they did. It might be a case of they had a particular person, mm. and that they were still deciding when it. Uh, these these, I I personally think, uh, no privy information. Sure, sure. Personally, deal, these deals can be very complicated, mm -hmm. and they may have a specific partner in mind, and they just couldn't finalize on certain terms. Um, that could be what it was. I think Germany, especially. Berlin is uh, is ba I think is the esports capital of Europe. Yep. Well, Germany itself is an e the esports capital of Europe. If you just look at the the number the of sheer quantity, that, the number of esports that are based out of there, uh, mainly it's mainly actually dictated by ESL HQ being in Cologne, right? Um, it's I, actually I don't know if it's in Cologne. It's definitely in Germany. ESL HQ is in Germany. So, like, that does dictate a lot because it's a lot easier for them logistically to put on shows in mm -hmm. Germany. You had, like, uh, you know, uh, Riot Games. Their their LEC product is done from... Yep. Uh, I think that's heavily motivated by the fact that ESL ran the early stages of that uh, from Cologne and then when Riot mm -hmm. they just did it in Germany because that's where all their staff were. Um you then have uh, PUBG League or PUBG Europe League. That's in Berlin right now. That's going on. You have um, ESL One Cologne, oh. uh, ESL One Hamburg. You have um, um, trying to think of other events that there. There's a lot of there's a lot going on. You have a Dream Hack. Yeah. You have lots of events happening in Germany. More high level events happen in Germany than any other European country in a given. Uh, so I think it does put them in a position where it is the esports capital. It does feel like a shame we don't have a German team. Mm. Uh, but I think that if you are expanding in Europe, and I think European expansion should be a focus for Overwatch yeah. League, um, I feel as though Germany is definitely a strong candidate for you to look into. Definitely. Um, the uh, the only other countries I would rival with that would I say <laughs> you you would need like a Spanish one. Uh, okay. Spain have a huge presence. Uh, you can speak to Barcelona or Real Madrid about doing something. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they'd be game. A lot of them are savvy with esports. Um, you probably want to give one to the uh, the countries: Norway, sure. uh, Sweden, Denmark. One of those. Mm -hmm. Italy, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but Germany is definitely on the top of the list of one yeah. that needs a an definitely on the short list for sure. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. To kind of close out the show, I wanted to kind of go through your takes on some of these teams going into mm -hmm. contenders season one of 2019 and the, mm -hmm. uh, the old playoff bracket. Mm -hmm. And at the top of the card, we've got shoes and money crew versus one point. Who, so, who, who takes mm -hmm. it and why? Where, where, where's our shoes thoughts? Money crew versus one point. 
Choose money crew versus one point. So uh, okay, let me mm. let me phrase it like this. We'll we'll, we'll okay. go. We'll we'll start here. Who do you think okay. is the favorite to win playoffs to win this title? To win season one. Yep. Out of the teams in playoffs, so Hurricane, Titans, Shoes and Money Crew, one point, Team Gigante, or Samsung. Who do you think wins? Who's the favorite? Hurricane. I think Hurricane is. Based off of their performance. Mm-hmm. All the, and, but the problem is, is like I'm, I'm quite superstitious with these things. A, a team in Europe, going back to the first ever contenders, sure. Season 0, 2017, a team that has gone undefeated in group stage has never won playoffs. Mm-hmm. Do you think that never. continues, though? I, the curse could continue. They could be curse breakers. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, um, I, I would say that the the favorite would at this point be Hurricane, purely mm. off the fact that undefeated didn't look overly exerted in any of those performances. Um, so I feel as though they 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 are the favorites to win the playoffs. Who would you kind of give your dark horse nod to if there was a team to kind of have an upset? An upset, an upset, just like a, a miraculous, just um, a, a miraculous run wins the title. N- didn't see it coming. Who do you think is the? Does most... it have to be in the realms of possibility? <laughs> um, I would say the most likely. Okay, most likely run, uh, Giganti. Right, so okay. Giganti may have gone in as the third seed, but mm. there's something about playoffs that seems to get like those Finns like dicks rock hard. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's just okay. You put them in a playoff scenario and they just pop off. Mm. Um, so I, 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 and it is a very different beast. We've seen this transformation. Season one, 2018, mm. uh, four seed from their group, smack the undefeated Eagle Gaming quarterfinals, then go on to have a seven game final against British Hurricane in one of the best European Overwatch series we've seen. Um, that is the beast that Playoffs Gigante is. And. I've learned not to underestimate. So they they are third seed. Mm-hmm. They will have to go through AT to get to the finals uh, in that semi-final bye. Yeah. But they are definitely a team that could make the Dark Horse run that's not in a bye position already. Okay, okay. Definitely a good shout. I think, yeah, they'd probably be one that... yeah. I would say probably the most likely. Mm-hmm. I I think that like here, here's here's the problem with the way work is sure. You've got so this is really interesting in final week. You have to get a certain map score to avoid playing Gigante. In... Mm. But if you avoid playing Gigante in round one, you then have to play Hurricane in round two. So, like you you are your path to the final is restricted obviously that's how like seeding works in general but like there is there was no advantageous path for you if you're like an smc or a one right there is no scenario where you look at that we have a preference maybe if the prize pool is different between making it to top four instead of top six you take the the bracket side with hurricane so you get through the first round and then you go out but you get a higher prize pool and higher finish Mm -hmm. but i don't i don't see any way that shoes money crew at one point make it to the Competition is too high. There was such a gap between uh, AT, Hurricane, and Gigante and the rest of the teams, I feel, that like there's no way a team like Shoes Money Crew at one point make it to Samsung Morningstars, maybe if they get that upset on Gigante in round one, do they then go and like compete against Angry Titans to potentially take a final spot away from them? 
but I think the most likely situation is we see. I think we definitely see. I think it's a Giganti Angry Titans semi-final. Uncertain of who takes that final spot. Mm-hmm. Hurricane. I think Hurricane makes it to finals. I think Hurricane beats either Shoes Money Crew or One Point quite handedly. So I I joked about it in the moment. I think Hurricane have basically been given a bye to the final. Um, uh, it's tough to call out of SMC and One Point. I think out of the two teams on the day, I think One Point will take it. Mm. But I don't think that One Point will beat Hurricane. Yeah, it's so like it almost I, doesn't doesn't it, really does, matter. It matters it for them really and their matter. pride, and you know some resumes yeah, and some maybe a little bit of extra cash. And mm-hmm. again, totally respectful. But you're going up against an undefeated team. Granted, it is on a new patch, but I don't think this mm-hmm. patch will be affecting Hurricane much in the way that it might affect Giganti, for instance, where they kind of are mm-hmm. a little bit rigid, right? They they play goats, and mm-hmm. that's what they're comfortable with, and they play yeah. very well. Whereas Hurricane, they're they're very fluid. They can play a lot of mm-hmm. different things and and do very well with it. Yeah, I feel as though Hurricane is one of the teams that with adaptation mm-hmm. um, to the new patch. But that remains to be seen. Sure. Um, That's fair. I, I, like I said, I do think that one point has a slight edge over us. And so I think we'll see one point take away. The- um, I think Gigante will beat Morning Stars. Mm. I think Hurricane will beat whoever they have to face in semifinals to get to Krefeld. Mm. Um, I think Gigante Angry Titans... I may have a different opinion of it based off of how Giganti play against does, but I think Giganti Angry Titans may go the way of Titans, I think. Just because of the reason, I feel as though when there's so much uncertainty change, being able to quantifiably see what your opponents play in that quarterfinal match against Morningstars is incredibly valuable for them. I think that like I think even more so against a team like Morning Stars can push Gigante to exert and really show their hand. I think a team like SMC or, or One Point wouldn't give Gigante the drilling required to push them to show anything they don't want to show. Mm-hmm. I feel as though a team like Morning Stars on a good day could get Gigante to show their hand. And if they do that, AT then basically have an early scouting to prepare for their next games. And that could drastically change the matchup. I definitely, I I totally agree with you. As much as people will immediately point to the season one playoffs and and Overwatch mm-hmm. League, where all of the buy teams somehow just borked out and and failed mm-hmm. miserably, mm-hmm. Uh, I still think there's a lot of intangibles there that is mm-hmm. very beneficial for teams that do have buys. You get to you really get to see what your opponents looking like mm-hmm. what the how they're approaching the new patch i don't think this is a patch that really shakes up a lot it, it definitely no. shakes things up don't don't you know mm-hmm. misquote me there this is a patch that kind of redefines how interactions work with armor and the boop kind of changes mm-hmm. and displacement. which i've already seen the hurricane players complaining about you know it, it's something <laughs> to get a use of <laughs> the, day, the day they started screaming on that new patch I looked. I checked Twitter. I uh-huh. see Numbok and Happy Cool oh, no. both complaining about the Lucio changes. I'm like, <laughs> really? They've started screaming. They're not happy with how this is going to work out. So, I already know that they've got their reservations about that Lucio change. Mm. Um, I think, 
I honestly think I think it's easier to call uh, the playoffs if it was on the same patch. Oh, of course. I think that like I think play if it was on the same patch, I think that the playoff path would be roughly similar. Mm. I think I would. I think I would ultimately. I think AT would indefinitely take it over Giganti mm-hmm. um, at the semi-final stage if we were on the same patch. Um, but I still think Hurricane would just slap Hurric- uh, slap AT again at finals um, <laughs> when it comes around. I think the new patch. Uh, shakes it up in a way that makes it a little bit more interesting because we have just seen every team. The previous incentive to see playoffs in previous seasons was that the teams were divided, so we didn't see the particular matchups that we necessarily wanted sure. to. So playoffs was a great opportunity for that. This time around, all the teams have played each other at least once, so it's we've already seen every potential matchup there could be. Um, the incentive for change and what our expectations are is that the patch is going to change. It mm-hmm. throws a spanner in the works, which I think could provide some upsets but for the most part i for the most part i think that the the final positioning will be reflective of the seeding going into Mm, definitely i would agree with you there the only one that i'd be willing Mm. to to maybe give a nod towards is samsung if yeah if they kind of just all in multi dps comps they could push giganti but there again giganti's a team that historically has been adaptive and has been very mm-hmm. quick to kind of you know take those blows and maybe they might drop a map maybe drop two but they're very good at adapting and like you said ah. playoff giganti's mm-hmm. not a not a not a different fun beast. beast different beast and the reason i don't give morning stars a little bit more respect here sure I feel as though so morning stars is very transparent a substitution they have hardest in ksp they put yeah. ksp in they, play they either play they play a diet coke version of their goats <laughs> where it's not as strong sure. or they play a more dps focused composition which ksp is very talented ksp is very talented yes yeah. um but when you put them in it's very transparent that they're going they're going to do that flex onto dps more often than mm. they put in hardest who is their zarya specialist now hardest had a serious advantage because he was just one of the most aggressive balls to the wall zarya's you and it caught a lot of teams off guard. Mm. Unfortunately for Morningstars <laughs> and Hardest, teams now know that. But more importantly, they kind of know what to do about it. Mm. So that ace up his sleeve is now turned into a joker. It's like you you know what Hardest is going to do. And for the most part, these high-end teams can deal with it. Right. So... And if you get hardest to play DPS, you can play DPS well. I feel KSP is more practiced in comp play, so he'll be able to be able to play sure. that DPS better. And in the same vein, KSP Zarya is not as strong as hardest as well. So if it doesn't go to plan based off of what their intentional switch is, they just end up playing a subpar roster for right. a match they want to win. Uh, yeah, I think hardest aggressive style of Zarya is so they're just is scouted dying, no is dying out. No, well, they don't need to scout. They know. Yeah, like, that, exactly. Like, teams yeah, already know what they're yeah. getting into. They they have yeah. these tendencies. They're very blatant. That That, that is their style. They, It's going to take a, mm. a team a long time to kind of break those habits. And then you know mm. if, if you see KSP, you're going to see some Widow, yeah. going to see some DPS, and I wouldn't worry too much about the GOATs. And mm-hmm. if you see Hardest, well, again, you already kind of know what you're going to get. So it's, mm-hmm. is there something else that Samsung could pull out that Giganti is going to have trouble with? I don't, I, 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 I don't find it so. hard to believe. Yeah. I don't think so. I, I think that one of the one of the players that can 
compare hardest to was maybe Chow, except Chow, like, uh, Chow changed, right? So season one, 2018, Chow was a hyper-aggressive diva. Mm. We joked that he was a tracer player caught in a diva's body <laughs> because he would just go on the back line all the time. And sometimes it would work. The aggression would catch people off guard. Mm. But teams who were better than CIS Hope knew this and they knew how to play around it. Come around to season two, Chow mm-hmm. balanced his play. He wasn't this overly aggressive diva. He was able to play a little defensively. Mm. Hardest has started to curb that aggression a little bit, but he's not moving closer on closer to the middle on the Davin hardest scale. Mm. Like the Davin hardest scale is Davin play uses bubbles with more conscious thought, I feel, than Hardest does. Hardest typically will be selfish with bubble uses to generate energy as fast as possible. So mm-hmm. he burn from people. Davin is a little bit more strategic about saving bubbles for specific instances. Sure. Um, and so I, I, some players sit differently on this Davin-Hardest scale. Um, hardest is moving closer to that center and, and being a more team-orientated Zarya. Mm-hmm. But there are still instances where I look at his bubble use it's just greedy it's okay. just she's trying to get charged so he can deal damage and that is an important part of playing zarya you need to be a damage but like you you are missing out on some optimal times to keep your team in the best position possible because team spots a viable cooldown they go right that bubble's not coming out for eight seconds i'm just gonna run at them like what yeah. are you gonna do so like, d- discord you can't get rid of that discord orb you you can't stop the Lorraine heart from being booed. Mm-hmm. If there's a Sombra, he's getting hacked. Yeah. Like, it's if God forbid resource. if there's an Ana, if God forbid if there's an Ana with yeah. a biotic, you can't like, cleanse it. It's not yep. gonna get blocked. Like, you just have yep. to eat the purple. Yep, basically. So I feel as though Chow made those changes in mm. in a faster progress than what Hardest has, and I know they play different. Sure, the sure, comparison sure. was quite apt to me. If your Hardest needs to. Balances Zarya play a little bit better because mm. it's very transparent about what he's doing and teams know exactly what he's going to do. So that surprise factor, it's not going to work. Mm. Yeah, you know, kind of talking through this, it does feel, I wouldn't say cut and dry, but there is kind of a very clear path that, mm-hmm. you know, the, the playoffs might be making. And I, you know, I still think the games are going to be pretty interesting. I think mm-hmm. Shoes Money Crew one point. Still might be a pretty interesting game. Still might be relatively close. But again, you go up against Hurricane. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a, a tough ask to beat them, you know. Like like I said, I think Hurricane have a bye to the... Yep. I, which also means they have a bye to Showdown. True. True. That is true. They will be booking they, they, their tickets. Yeah. If you think about it for Hurricane's perspective, they need to be choose Money Crew or One Point to get to... to to get to a showdown. Yeah. I if I'm Hurricane, as little disrespect for Sure. Like I'm not I'm not worried about that. No. I think I'm going to showdown. I'm more concerned and I'm focused I think it's either Gigante or Ace. Mm. I'd almost wonder if they're preparing more for like they'll they'll put in more prep for that match just to be able mm-hmm. to okay, we have our tickets booked for Atlantic Showdown. We don't have to worry about that anymore. Contenders is great. But mm-hmm. land finals, putting ourselves out there, trying to showcase the mm-hmm. players and, and the coaching staff and, and really putting a spotlight on them, obviously, is, I think, everybody's goal at the end of the day. Book your tickets. Yeah, they definitely agree. Book your tickets to a LAN event, which will have more, especially TL1. Yep. 
people won't really watch contenders, but they'll be persuaded to watch a showdown, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, double elimination, like, bracket with eight incredibly strong tier two teams. Yeah. I don't see why you wouldn't tune into mm-hmm. Um. Oh, no, six, sorry, six teams. Because Can we talk about showdown for a bit? Like, fuck. Yeah, sure. Like, okay, so... <laughs> Okay, so the rules the rules were really interesting to me. As soon as I saw them, mm-hmm. I looked at them and went, if I'm Fusion University, I am just straight up not having a good time right now. Because <laughs> the, the way that the North American buy is decided yep. is also by who takes that third spot. Yep. So, so if you're Fusion University, and up until recently, they had an undefeated 30-0 streak. Yep. God bless Mayhem Academy, ending a streak <laughs> for us. Um... You were looking like a very dominant team and a very strong, and they still are a strong pros- prospect, sure, sure. to take a number one seed to go as one of the NA re- I'm not even sure what region they're in. Like They really don't follow geography. Are they east or west? Like, I don't even think it matters at this point. Yeah, either way. They finish in the first seed. It doesn't matter. Right? Yeah. They're going to go anyway. The problem now lies is if, if you're that dominant and you take the first seed, mm. whether you get a buy a first round buy in the showdown is dictated by the second place team in your group. Because like if you're fusion union, you get the NA West or East first seed. There's another, there's going to be obviously another NA first. Well, yes, only one NA second seed goes. Yep. And that's decided by a play, like a mini playoff match between mm-hmm. the two seeded teams. The team that gets in instantly promotes the NA team from their region to a number one seed, which gives them a buy. So your Fusion Uni, you may not get a buy because your second place team fucked up their match. (laughs) You basically relinquish all control. So Fusion Uni probably sat there going, you motherfuckers better win. (laughs) I I want that buy. I want that buy. I don't have to deal with this crap. Sure. Like that's, uh, to me, I find that hilarious for Mm. Fusion Uni. Just you can have a dominant season and still be at the whim of a second place team. Um, but I understand why it's done because there's no real fair way if you're only taking three teams to decide which ones get a buy. Sure. Obviously, you give EU's first seed a buy just because EU's probably going to win the whole thing. Um, but like you, the NA teams, it's like it comes a little bit more complicated because they have two regions. I just felt that dynamic was really interesting. Yeah, it's... and then when it gets, and when it gets the gauntlet as well. I'm, oh my god! Imagine, imagine how angry you'd be if you were NA teams. Yeah, like one of your teams one of your teams it could be the second seeded team that goes drops into a fifth or sixth place in showdown and you lose a spot for gauntlet Mm -hmm. (laughs) you you then like you're down to two spots instead of three brilliant gonna cause some uh some some infighting in in the regions yeah so there's already gonna be salt flying everywhere interregionally like (laughs) na and eu love shit talking (laughs) each other Uh, south america's just in the corner they're probably gonna pipe up it as well um then they'll get reminded that why there's only one of the <laughs> one of their teams turning up um but then it comes to like you like you said the infighting yeah. because those other teams are gonna be yeah we fucked up this season we were gonna have a season two and now the chances of us going to gauntlet have just been shattered by you guys fucking up on the grand yeah. stage <laughs> like there's uh, same thing will happen with eu same thing will happen with south america let's yeah. just south america comes gets to the final of this event they can send two teams instead of one to gauntlet like that's big that's big for them if they finish fifth and sixth they don't get do they not get a team sent my Uh, understanding of the rules is if they finish in sixth place they don't get an invite to gauntlet don't get 
A seed, yeah. I, I don't even know how successful that would be if they did somehow, like, get the, the extra seed. Like, from my understanding, yeah. they've built, like, some sort of super team to kind of, like, give the best chance One. possible for South One America. Team. And then they somehow win, and they're like, mm-hmm. uh, okay, who wants to go? Like, there's nobody really left. <laughs> here's, here's, the, here's the problem. I think that South America's goal, obviously the goal would be to of course, goal yes. is to win. I think their realistic goal is to just not finish Keep their before sixth. Yeah. Because if they do that, they at least get a singular South American team to the gauntlet. Which is big. Which is big, because that's the big... That's like you said and phrased it earlier. It's like the World Cup of Tier 2 Overwatch, yep. right? If they finish fifth or sixth and they lose their seed, we will see no South American presence at the gauntlet. Which will be kind of sad. I think... Which is sad. Yeah. I think it's a shame. That being said, I don't see a way they do. Because <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I don't. I, I I said this very early on. I don't mm. see a reality where a South American team beats a European. And sure. for the most part, I don't see a reality where a South American team beats a North American team. But then yeah. I remind myself, I don't. I never underestimate the incompetency of NA teams. That's true. So. I don't know, but here's the thing: that to, to not avo- to avoid losing a slot, they need to finish outside of fifth and sixth, I believe. So they just need to finish top four, something like that. That I means that means they don't have to beat one NA team yep. consistently; they have to beat two of them, yep. which I don't see happening. Yeah, if it was just one of the teams you, you know you could add the 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 asterisk like oh maybe they look past them you know you look at you know some of the brazilian teams or some of the south american teams and other esports notably like league of legends and some of the you know when you look at a, a lesser region there are teams i mean shoot we even saw it last world cup we saw you know canada and and north america look past and try to prepare for teams ahead of them and they, they got upset so God, God bless Team UK. <laughs> they they came out and you know what? They they did the damn thing. They did. Really they well. they uh, they slapped those Yankee Doodles around. Yes, they did. They yes, they did. Which being at the being at BlizzCon for that was incredible. Yes, uh, absolutely amazing. Well, no, and I'm then having them. On the... Yeah, good. I'm just checking up on the... No, carry on, carry on. I'm just looking up. A, just yeah, the, just seeing everybody's smugness. Okay, so story mm-hmm. time. So yeah. there was a group of us. We mm-hmm. all went out for dinner. Um, I mm-hmm. think Gio was there. So Leg Day's girlfriend. I think I was there as well. I think the chicken you, yes. waffles. Yes, 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 yeah, yes. Yeah, chicken and she place. was good. I think every a lot of the, the, the UK, the European people were, were, you know, going on, you know. Team mm-hmm. UK is going into, I think, what it would have been like semis against South Korea. Mm-hmm. Oh, they don't stand a chance. And then they actually make it relatively close. Mm-hmm. Like that yeah. had to have been just a, a, an absolute treat to see. Mm-hmm. Your team just brute force the style and and prove that it's successful and really take Korea to their limits. They they gave Korea their closest match. I yep, easily. Which was the funniest thing. Like, <laughs> that was the semi like, That was the finals. What what would have what would have happened if we didn't have Korea in the semifinals yep. and we had China in the semifinals? Would we have beaten China? Probably. Would we have then got Team UK to the final? Yep. Would we then have to accept the reality that UK was the second <laughs> place team at the World Cup? Obviously, I'm being incredibly facetious about, sure, but like, sure. 
but that would have been a reality. We yeah. might have been looking at UK being the number two country in the mm-hmm. world. But now, like, if we do a World Cup again, Korea's just going to send Runaway in. Like, gonna... Yeah. I, they don't even have to send Runaway. If they were to do World Cup again, mm. they could just take Owl Talent like they did last year. They just take just... Titans. Yeah. Just send Titans Ten, there. T- you could take Titans. You could, you know, I, I, improve yeah, Titans I somehow. A completed team is always better than a mixed of one. Of course, yeah. And, and that's think, why I think the gauntlet's I, yeah. so nice. It, it, you still yeah. get that regional bias. Mm. You, you get that the fans, you know, I'm here to cheer on for my, my South American representative. I'm, I'm yeah. with my NA boys. I won't be. Mm-hmm. Couldn't care less. Um, yeah. You know, you get the get the pack teams. You, you get everybody together and you have that representation, but you also have solid teams, which makes solid matchups. Mm. And that's way more entertaining than watching you know, some, some mishmash of a team try to compete. So we, we talked about the potential that the South American presence of the gauntlet. Sure. The same rules are going to apply for Australia and the yep. Pacific region. Yep. If they don't finish top four, then we basically get a gauntlet where it could just be China, Korea, NA. Mm-hmm. Not going to lie. I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I don't currently put a lot of salt into Australia, Pacific, and South America. Mm-hmm. I think that right now, like, where you should be pulling your talent from is Korea, China, Europe. Of course, yeah. Those are, like, the primary um, regions. They're the, yeah, the primary regions. There's almost like there's two divisions of yeah, contenders. You have the wild cards and then yeah. the, the, big, the big four. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel, yeah, I, I feel as though... Like, if you had to give a wild card slot like the the strongest of the the wild cards, would you say? Yeah. It, I I would say it would be Pack. Just the Pacific, they cat they have. They've had a density of Korean talent, and they've mm-hmm. obviously had to you know ship them off. But I would imagine they would probably be the strongest out of all of them. Maybe Australia. I don't follow enough. Uh, neither realize. do I. To be completely I... honest with you, I'm reaching at straws here. Yeah, I, I think maybe pack, but that's just because I assume more. Yes. Better. So, I think maybe pack, but closer I don't to know. Korea, I, get some I, scrims. I, despite never watching any of the Pacific, re- I will sure. still watch the Pacific Showdown because I will yeah. find it interesting. Because what if there are millions of people, well, not millions, but like thousands of people, like me and you, right now, going ha. Australia, Pacific, and South America, they're tier two, like, they're tier three teams, right? Yeah, like, They're yeah, not yeah. even, like, tennis teams. And then we get to, like, showdown, and they just slap. And they just start like, slapping kids? Every, Uh-oh. Everyone's expectations are just subverted. We look at, like, regional strength completely differently, mm-hmm. because, like, suddenly Australia, like, slaps the shit out of China for some reason. <laughs> and we're like, okay, so Australia now has, like, two teams going to... Wait, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Whoa, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up. I'm just thinking about something, right? What? Thinking about these gauntlet implications. Okay. okay so, so the way the gauntlet implication works is if a team that finishes... Oh, it's only a team that finishes in first place. Never yes. mind. Okay. That's fine. All right. I was panicking there and thinking they were doing first and second place gives like an extra invite each. So we mm. could end up in a reality where the gauntlet just becomes like... A race receiving. Uh, it becomes like four european teams four korean teams <laughs> like two north american right. and like one china like it's i don't know like that scared me like, <laughs> so I was like if it was one and two like if both finalists were from the same region you then get two spots instead of one mm-hmm. extra 
and it just becomes like oh jesus that becomes a little bit more complicated definitely definitely so but it is you know i i i, I want people to get excited for the showdowns i want people mm -hmm. to get excited for the end of the overwatch season it's not just contenders as a season mm -hmm. it's not just overwatch league it's the season mm -hmm. of overwatch at the end yeah. of the season we have the overwatch league season finals which are hopefully going to be super mm -hmm. exciting maybe a little bit more exciting than they were last year i, I just want to find out where they are yeah sure as soon as as soon as i know where they are i can ten. Like, as soon as I figure out where it is. Sure. In, but, uh, we have that. We have, you know, the culmination of the gauntlet and, and having that and, you know, whatever else. And then immediately after that, we have BlizzCon, which is there going to be a World Cup? Won't there be a World Cup? Who knows? So my, my take on that is I don't know if we'll see a World Cup. Yeah, um, I don't but so the way I look at it, there is there has been for every year prior to this a esports present of every esports compatible yeah. game that Blizzard has at BlizzCon. At BlizzCon. Yep. So, I think there will be some something over some Overwatch esports at BlizzCon. Just what that is, I have no idea. Yeah, I would. Ass I I kind of wish it was All Stars because it feels mm. like it would do very well, much in the same way that World Cup did. Like you can just have all your favorite players at BlizzCon. It's mm. where you're gonna be anyways, and mm. you get to interact with them and and get to see a live match from them, and that's really cool. But now they're doing it in like the middle of the season, which Eh, I don't know. I it's, it's how typical all-star games are done in the NBA. NBA all-stars happens mid-season. True, true. Um, I, I think it's better. Well, I don't know necessarily putting all-stars in there is better, but I, the break between stage two and stage three sure. being much longer is much better for player health. Yes, um, yes. So obviously now they can, you know, it, it, we're able to have them do all-stars, mm -hmm. get two showdowns in, and they're able to have time off as well before yep. we start stage three of Overwatch League. Beautiful. Let them let them relax. Yeah. Like this yeah. last last season was brutal. This season is still mm -hmm. difficult as all get out. Mm -hmm. Like the the format has been changed in a way so that teams have the opportunity to you know relax on their preparation a little bit more. So you're not just playing two matches every week by week. <laughs> but it's not. Ma it's not mandatory anymore but you still see teams like i would imagine that teams are still putting in about the same amount of work but now you have like these extended breaks between stages we have the big mid-season break which is beautiful um yeah it's going to be so much better for the longevity of the league and as much as we whine and cry mm -hmm. like oh there's not the league the break was too long no the break was fine mm -hmm. we just didn't get anything supplement supplementary in the background we didn't get you know, a tournament, we didn't get any content. Mm. It was just dead air. And I think that's more yeah. of a fault of the league and, and just the people around it in general. The, yeah, the down the down period was frustrating. Yes, yes. I, sorry, the reason I chuckled, yeah, yeah. I just had a, had a quick browse at Twitter. Uh -huh. uh, Mal's uh, is happening this weekend. I'm going to be turning up there on Sunday. But he's already left, which means he's going to play his contenders match from a LAN. <laughs> Say that again? So there's a there's a, a LAN in the UK called Insomnia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like okay. a BYOC I'm familiar. LAN. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Mouse is on his way to that LAN now. Kent? Ah. So he's going to be playing his quarterfinal match <laughs> from the LAN. All right. I, I, I think they, last time there was a LAN, they would, teams were doing trials and stuff during the same time. It was like winter, I believe. Yeah. And it was like trials that was going on. So... 
it's not the first time I've seen teams doing no, it. No, I mean... Contenders yeah. playoff done in a LAN environment. <laughs> we're probably a mix. He's probably playing in the LAN tournament on a mixed team mm. with a bunch of UK people. So, like, he's going to be surrounded by a bunch of, like, UK LAN dreaming at him while he's trying to do, like, a contenders playoff. <laughs> I don't. I don't envy the lad. This is this is something that kind of has popped up like historically. I think Envision had uh, a, a contenders match at a DreamHack that they won. <laughs> if you go all the way back to like Takeover, yeah. I think Hammers Esports had to qualify or played their qualifier mm-hmm. at Takeover. Mm-hmm. If I'm remembering that correctly, like there's mm-hmm. always something that a team's trying to play a match during a tournament you know trying to qualify for an, the next event or what have mm-hmm. you it's uh it seems to kind of come up a little more often than is yeah it, 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 it's know. something it, it's something that always makes me chuckle because yeah. I, I don't know i don't know who else is attending mm-hmm. sometimes we get books players and like the land typically the level of competition isn't that high so sure. most of the time if like a decent tier two mix turns up or tier two tier three mix turns up they'll mm-hmm. just win the whole thing and it's just free money at that point um but i don't know who else is going to attend there um like i said i'm going to pop down on sunday and have a chat with them and see who's there but i might be congratulating uh mouse or i might be commiserating him oh, i'm not sure no. i think it's more likely the latter than the former but um <laughs> yeah, it's we'll one of those things to see we'll have to see but this is uh, this is this has been very insightful, and mm-hmm. I appreciate you coming on and and you know giving me giving me some insight because uh, it's been difficult to follow Overwatch League in, in its entirety, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm just now getting into catching up on Contenders VOD. So this definitely gives me a, a foot forward, and hopefully the uh, the old viewer, the the, yeah. the the two of you that watch the show. Uh, you know, maybe you have learned something today, um, but thank you so much for joining me on episode 18. Like I do with everybody, you have my tiny, tiny soapbox to talk to my small, tiny, absolutely scrounging viewer base mm-hmm. to, uh, oh. give shout outs and all that good jazz. So the last couple minutes are yours to do it. Okay. You, please. So all two of Volumel's viewers. <laughs> well, uh, small crowd, you know? Small crowd, small crowd, powerful though. I hear great things about the the Volumel army. Um, I don't really have much to say. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to say, follow me on Twitter underscore Trid. I shit post about Overwatch and talk a little bit about serious Overwatch sometimes. Um, I will be taking a break from Overwatch after the semifinals. I won't be doing the finals this year. Okay. Um, but uh, so semifinals will be the end of my run for the season anyway. Um, you might hear me tweeting about Showdown in a couple of days. When we know what's going on with it. Mm. I don't know yet. Um, they have those decisions haven't been communicated to me, but they may have been made. Sure. Don't know. Um, other than that, keep supporting your boy. See if we can get free viewers in here next time. <laughs> for the second return you know episode two of trid the electric yeah. boogaloo we'll, we'll get a total of four viewers we'll we'll double oh my god double maybe six maybe we'll do triple who knows who knows what It'd will be happen beautiful maybe <laughs> depending on the viewership of this one yeah we yeah, yeah. just got a massive boost like shit i gotta get trid back I mean, he's, he's just yeah. gonna be a reoccurring guest <laughs> i just need him every week 
Yeah, it could be. We don't know. <laughs> but uh, thank you very much for having me, man. I appreciate spending some time chatting yes, with you yes, about it. Yes, yes, it's, been, it's been fun to catch up. You know, we, we did your podcast and I had a, a brilliant time. And, mm. you know, we, we've chatted before. And it, it's always a pleasure to, to kind of steal yeah. you away for a little bit and, and bounce ideas and, and have a little chat. Ha- happy to oblige. Well, thank you. Thank you. Again, viewers, thank you so much for listening to us ramble about everything Overwatch and European-esqueness related. <laughs> um, we'll catch you in episode 19. Thanks for stopping by and uh, have a have a good rest of your day.